I am Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Meta Carigiani and Vice President and Research Director Peter Ostro to discuss change catalysts, who they are, and their critical role in driving change in an organization. Welcome both. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having us. So excited to be here. Same for me. It's fun to chat about such a cool topic with uh, great minds. So I love this phraseology change catalyst because I actually haven't heard this much in the market. You hear things like change agents, other sort of similar sounding words, but what do we mean by change catalyst? And then we'll kind of get into maybe what inspired you to dig into this research and and un- uncover uh, some findings. One of the things that we discovered as we did a lot of research and a lot of interviews to prepare for how we would present this sort of TED talk, as uh, Jennifer, to to the audience, um, was to just kind of start to figure out that most folks tend to fall into one or or a couple of different personas when it comes to this idea of change. Remembering that most of us are, are generally somewhat resistant to change, right? I like things the way I like them. This is the way we've always done things. It's comfortable for me. But in business, as in life, things are always changing and evolving. And certainly having to work at home for two years created massive amounts of change and disruption for everybody. So we're all a little bit more aware of the need to somehow embrace it. We found that most folks tend to fall into one or two of these three categories. There are change managers, and and most of us are fairly familiar with this idea of a change manager because in small, medium, large companies alike, there's more and more emphasis on these internal resources, or sometimes we hire them externally to help us through big change. Um, Whether it's a consultant, internal or external, we find that folks with these great sets of skills around project management and communications and coaching tend to take on a project at a time. We need to implement this. We need to change that. We need to start doing things differently. And someone's going to walk us through it for three months or six months or a year. Then we see these change leaders. Change leaders tend not to be so much involved in the minutia, but they help set the tone. They sponsor and give credence and executive support to the change that we're thinking about. And they basically help figure out what's the end line, what does it look like? And they release resources and remove barriers to get there. But this change catalyst is every one of us. It's you, it's meta, it's me. It's everybody we know and everybody we deal with has the potential to be a change catalyst because change catalyst is really just the person who has or shares or promotes an idea, something that's new, something that's different from the way we've often done things. And Jennifer, if I jump a little bit here and expand from what uh, Peter mentioned, you asked us what inspired this research. Uh, As you can imagine, over the last couple of years as individuals or as professionals, we have been through a huge amount of change. And change is something that we hear in every conversation we have with our clients. We need to become better at instigating change and driving change within the organization. So we got inspired from those ongoing conversations to help our clients. How can we become better at creating change, not managing the change, as Peter mentioned, um, not driving the change forward, but instigating the change, kind of breaking through 
well-established norms, processes, thinking, and get the organizations, get our teams to think differently. Who did you all talk to in in doing this research? Was it, I mean, I think one of the things I'm sort of, it's a pot- potentially a leading question because Peter, you mentioned this, anyone can be a change catalyst. So I'm just interested in who was the sort of, you know, who were you chatting with executives, managers, directors, VPs? Is it, was it a pretty wide swath of, of individuals as you were developing this research? It was. Um, we spoke internally and externally. Um, inside Forrester, we spoke with a lot of our C-suite leaders and asked them who are the change catalysts, once we sort of tried to define what it was, on your team. Who are the folks that that bring their voice for something that's new and different or alternative to you? Not, not complaining about something that is, because we always hear the adage, don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution. But who are the folks that you turn to, regardless of their title, regardless of their situation or where they live in the org chart? Externally is where we did most of our work, though, however, Jennifer, we talked to um, leaders, managers, individual contributors amongst our customer organizations. And as folks probably know, Forrester's customers run the gamut from technology to finance to healthcare, all sorts of industries out there. Um, It was really kind of fun talking to folks because we didn't know exactly what we were going to get back. And we didn't have this idea of a change catalyst or a change leader or a change manager baked in when we did these interviews. We had the luxury of time to just talk to folks about change. And when we started this research, it was still when folks were predominantly working at home. If my memory serves, it was when Omicron was still doing its thing. So folks were still deep in whatever had evolved. They were they had already found the cheese in its new location to where it had moved, or they were still looking for the cheese in its new location to where it had moved. And what I really loved about this effort, Jennifer, in a way we spoke to both sides, the people who want to go and pitch change, right? That's what we got to name Change Catalyst. But also the people who you are, you are the Change Catalyst, go and pitch change too. So we were able to triangulate those perspectives, what makes a good change catalyst, but also what leaders expect from change catalysts when they go to them and pitch that change. So it was fascinating to conduct that research. I feel like the word change catalyst means that change, we're talking like big initiatives. Is that a fair assumption to make? Well, that's that's an excellent point. In fact, is one of the truisms that we wanted to kind of get in front and dismantle. In fact, we had two things, two truisms that we challenged our thinking. One was that in order to drive change, you have to have the power, the authority. You have to control the teams, the budget, et cetera. And that to a degree is true, right? That absolutely is the case. The people who do have that drive change. But as Peter mentioned, Our starting point was that irrespectively of the authority, the seniority, where you sit in the organization, you can bring in the right way, and we'll get to that probably in our conversation today, and instigate change within the organization. So we put out our viewpoint that actually by advocating for change in the areas that you are an expert, then you actually build authority through this process. An example that we talk about is um, 
none of us know where it started like so many great movements but remember how we used to all have meetings that were 30 minutes and 60 minutes long and we would just be in back to back to back to backs all day long and it would wear us out and it would wear us out it seemed to become almost more problematic when we were doing it from home you'd think it would be the opposite because at least you can be in your jammies and you're only a couple of steps from the fridge but you know, somehow the stress of not being around other people, if you were used to it, made it even worse. So somewhere, some person, some unknown human being just came up with the idea out of their heads. What if our meetings were just 25 instead of 30 minutes? What if they were 50 minutes instead of 60 minutes? And in fact, now some companies wire their calendaring applications in order to default meetings to 50, not 60 and 25, not 30. Such a small, like in the moment idea but it just made such a big difference to so many of us. But it's also just a matter of just common sense. You need a break in between meetings. And so that was kind of a smallish idea. Who knows who had it? Maybe like so many ideas, there's a thousand people who lay claim to have come up with the idea. But it's become semi-standard practice at this point at a lot of organizations. Um, so small idea, unknown source. So it's not about who came up with the idea, but the what involved in the idea, which is let's just meter out our time a little bit more humanely. So let's get into some of the common attributes. Like who, who are these change catalysts? What what have you found, um, you know, if it's not a specific level or title, clearly there's a there's a group that have some some commonality amongst them. So what are those um, attributes? Yeah, and that was a lot of fun creating this. Um, and as you can imagine, this is where the analyst DNA came because we wanted to come up with kind of a framework and we landed on what we call the four C's. So when we looked at the conversations that we had, we realized the change catalyst as we established is someone who precipitates change, right? Is someone who instigates the change. But the, coming back to your question about who are they? What are the characteristics of these people? Here is where those forces come to play. First, change catalysts take a stand with conviction. So conviction is our first C. They really take a stand to make a difference that positively impacts the business. The second one is courage. So they stand against well-established norms, behaviors, ways of thinking, right? Um, and they know that they need to demonstrate that courage and commitment to drive the change forward. The next one is we realize the change catalysts have a charisma of articulating their ideas with clarity. So as we put forward those new ideas, we need to make it clear why is this important, how it connects, what it delivers for the business, for the broader, maybe stakeholders, um, our customers, our employees, so on and so forth. And the fourth C is creativity. So change catalysts are particularly good at finding creative ways of connecting their idea with the people they want to engage and target. So four C's, conviction, courage, clarity, and creativity. It sort of strikes me, though, to be a change catalyst, or maybe not. I mean, are you, don't you have to be sort of an operator mindset? You have to get the change done? Or are you doing 
you know, how central are you doing the change or is it just inspiring others to change? What we've come to believe is that anyone can be a change catalyst. It doesn't mean that we all have the capability, the ability to articulate, to socialize, but sometimes it doesn't mean that I have to be a person with a big title or a person with a lot of followers. Um, if the idea is a good one, it will rise in importance as long as it does have other folks who can sponsor it, folks who can champion it, folks who believe that it's got value. So Jennifer, to answer your question, yeah, you need to be able to express yourself in some way, shape or form, but it does not have to be polished. It doesn't have to be public. Good ideas will rise. And so these change catalysts are essentially convincing or will need to convince others the merit of that idea, right? I mean, it may not be obvious at first blush to to others. So what are what's some, you know, I guess, guidance there if you're looking to activate change? I'll, um, I'll, I'll provide one answer, then maybe Meta can, can help us get into the four hacks that we, that we developed for this, this conversation. The big difference we think is that change catalysts think in terms of what if we, why don't we, what would happen if we, and the operative word there is we, not I. It's very much not a whiff of what's in it for me mindset. We all are selfish and unselfish creatures in this way or that, right? And and this particular topic is about where, hey, what would it be like if we? And, and that's sort of the first trigger that we look for. A change catalyst thinks about what if things could be done differently? What if things could be done better? It's important not to approach it from the source of frustration or anger. Oh, I can't stand the way things are done around here. Complain, complain, complain. But rather, what would happen if we blank? And that can be just a conversation. It can be a chat. It can be a text. Um, it doesn't mean that every great idea will go viral. And that's where the four hacks come into play. We came up with this idea of the four hacks. Uh, in a way, we identified, if you want, the four hacks is a playbook, right, of how people can become more effective change catalysts. And as we are going to get into that conversation I wanted to separate one thing that we've heard very clearly when we spoke, especially to executives. There is a difference between a change catalyst and someone who is disruptive within the organization, right? So we heard very loud and clear that this is not about, I don't agree with something and I'm going to become a disruptive force. No. Change catalysts, if you remember, circling back to who they are and their characteristics, they are eager to make a difference that positively impacts the business, right? So it's a positive force of change. And when we look at those levers, if you will, or the playbook for becoming more effective change catalysts, we structure it around those four hacks. So hack number one which comes back to something you've mentioned, Jennifer, is about engaging with others, is about making sure that we bring others into our idea. And how we do that is about opening the heart first. So the central idea of that hack is we know that change catalysts um, are doing their homework. They know the data. They have done the analysis um, of the change they want to propose. But Equally importantly, 
they play a deliberate attention to opening the heart first, to deploy tactics, to get people to experiment maybe the change, to get people to visualize the end state of where that change is going to come from. So they don't just pitch to the rational side, but they also pitch, if you want, to the emotional side. So they are very capable at opening the heart of the people they engage with. So that's our first hack. A great example of that first hack is a story that we've heard about Walt Disney. Um, Way back in the day when the entire Orlando complex was still coming together, he had this idea for Animal Kingdom that we know today as a wonderful, wonderful environment. Uh, But he was having trouble explaining to his executive team really what he envisioned. Um, The normal approach, PowerPoints and binders and presentations wasn't working. So he took the largest conference room that they had and he literally brought in animals. He brought in zebras and giraffes into the conference room. And that did the trick. They, they understood his vision. They had to experience, they had to visualize what, you know, geniuses like Walt Disney and Steve Jobs, right? Only know up in their heads. And that worked. He got the funding, he got the approval. And, and that part of uh, Disney World and Animal Kingdom today is, is so awesome as a result of that for anybody who's, uh, I'm sure most of us have been there and enjoyed the fruits of that labor. So our second hack is um, sort of um, comes from uh, a concept that we that we noticed when we looked around and we, we saw a great quote from Salvador Dali, the artist. He said, a true artist is not one who is inspired, but one who is inspires others. Did some research and discovered that Salvador Dali, you know, interesting, quirky artist, um, the highest price ever paid for one of his works of art was $22 million, which is pretty hefty fee. That was over two decades after he passed away. And so the the inspiration that somebody felt worth paying that much money for 20 plus years after the artist was gone signifies that what they felt, what they experienced, what they were motivated by when they appreciated what he had done for them was not the person because he was long gone, but it was what he created. Um, And so the idea behind inspiring others is Regardless of who does the inspiring, there's some certain protocols that we believe are going to be most helpful in terms of taking that idea, whether it's the change catalyst themselves, whether it's the change leader who points the direction towards the final state, even if it's the change manager who takes care of some of the details and the nuts and bolts of doing it. Yeah, and I love the story you mentioned about Salvador Dali because ultimately to inspire others, you need to really get to know them, right? The, the people you're trying to inspire from where they're coming in the organization, what are maybe some of their motivations or concerns against the change. And we saw this every single time we spoke to a change catalyst. They have done a lot of that homework to understand their audience. Um, and the other component that we saw as a pattern when we spoke to change catalysts is that notion that not only they were looking for people who will advocate um, for their idea, um, so if you want for mentors who will guide them, who will support them, but they were looking for something different. And that different, Jennifer, was sponsors. And mentors and sponsors are different, right? Mentors is there for you, to help you, to support you, whereas sponsors are there about the idea, they will act 
on the idea, even if you're not in the room, if they have embraced your idea, they will come forward and help you build the idea respectively of whether you are in front in that room or not. So that was fascinating. And then, as we mentioned at the beginning of our chat, change catalysts are doing, as part of inspiring others, they are paying particular attention to articulate that end state, the benefits in the context of how will that benefit our customers, our customer experience? How will that benefit our employees, our employee engagement and experience, our shareholder value? So bringing it back to connecting it to what it, why is it important for our organizations to embrace that new way of thinking. But the other thing that we found as we continue to explore a little bit our hacks is that as Change Catalyst build the idea, start motivating others, there is a point in time where they know when to step back and allow others to come forward and become part of that momentum, if you want, that continues to advocate for the idea they have built. So that is what kind of framed our hack number three, Peter, which we called... Is that my intro? Multiplier. Yes, that is your <laughs> intro indeed. To become a force multiplier. Um, so how do we get from a good idea that people start to think, wow, this could really be helpful. We could do something better. We might benefit. Our customers might benefit to becoming a little bit more of a movement. So we constructed this idea of the multiplier effect, which speaks to two components. Um, how do we expand the idea and how do we reinforce it? Expansion of an idea essentially starts with, okay, if this is a good idea for department A, do we just pursue it through the best interests of our own little fiefdom in department A, or do we contact or reach out to folks in department or function B, C, D, and E to make it something that could be bigger? Now, granted, there's probably some times where some of us think, oh, you know what, I'm just going to keep this kind of small because the bureaucracy and the red tape will start to poke in and make it more complex than it needs to be. But sometimes a good idea is worth expanding. Um, the reinforcement of an idea is to make sure that we're not an island with our idea, not just saying, okay, this is me, this is my idea, but you know, it's just my voice. I'm just gonna sort of squeak it out and kind of walk away. It's okay to be persistent. It's okay to bring it up multiple times. Um, at a certain point, you can become annoying and we all know that there's a, a threshold that we have. I certainly do, or I'd like to think that I do around that. But not being an island with our idea also speaks to the fact that it's not just other departments and other functions, but other applications of an idea. If we think about something that might be very helpful to a customer at this particular stage of their journey, are there earlier and subsequent stages of a customer experience where they might benefit from that as well? Yeah, we heard some great tips in terms of this duality of expansion and then reinforcement. I'll just give you one example. In fact, comes from something we do here at Forrester when we collaborate with a new research idea. We have this concept of a big or little thing where when we have that new research idea, we would proactively go out and bring together analysts from different perspectives, different services, different expertise 
to bring that idea forward and start building it together. And that was the notion we've heard in our conversations, the idea not to be an island, take that idea, build it, look for that expansion and bring other people to work with you on the idea. Um, and we've had many other tips and tricks about becoming a force multiplier. But, you know, Jennifer, when we looked at all of these conversations, um, stories from um, our change catalyst, we realized that at the very heart of their ability to drive change is hack number four. And that is that change catalysts are particularly good at challenging themselves, challenging their own assumptions, challenging the way they see and they seek things. So that was where we got into a conversation with the change catalyst about different techniques they use to ensure that they constantly open their mind, open their hearts themselves and challenge their own convictions. The first is to, as, as holistic or as, as Oprah as it sounds, is to connect with yourself. Um, so Jennifer, you probably know as a forester, right, that our employee experience team helps us sometimes with this thing that managers are exposed to called the mood elevator. And the mood elevator is this cool construct which talks about all the different feelings that we have high on the elevator, grateful, wise, and creative, midway on the elevator, understanding, curious, frustrated, and then low on the elevator is depressed, judgmental, and defensive. And this idea of the mood elevator is meant to, to help us do a self-check, whether we're individual contributors, managers, leaders, partners, parents, whatever. Um, where am I right now? And if I'm kind of in a judgmental mood, it may not be the best place for me to share my idea. I'm probably not going to be a great change catalyst. But at another part of the day, when I'm feeling more appreciative or creative or wise, maybe that's the best time for my idea to take shape, to start sharing it. So connecting with yourself is step one. Yeah. And I love that because it goes back to the comment that change cannot happen from a place of frustration. It's not about being disruptive. It's about building positively within an organization. The second thing that we've heard, which was fascinating, was that change catalysts have a self-awareness. And they connect um, apart with themselves, they connect with others. So they intentionally look for connections to put aside and work against some of their own pitfalls. So if I'm afraid on a certain task, we've heard change catalyst, we go out and work against it to become better themselves. So that was fascinating to hear. And last but not least, we talked about how change requires commitment. We talked about how change, whether it is big or small, is about changing how things get done. So it may take time. So change catalysts find ways to hold themselves accountable, to keep going by taking the change and kind of breaking it down into smaller milestones that they put in front of them to achieve. So they kind of self-motivate, they kind of self-energize 
to keep going against milestones that they had put in front of them. That's great. And obviously a ton of positive things that you just shared about the change catalyst. How did they convince others? How did they inspire others willing to be influenced? Um, But in your interviews, were there pitfalls or things that, you know, um, folks would raise as being counterproductive in, you know, trying to be a change catalyst? Could you share a couple of those things here? A lot of those stem from how folks perceive themselves um, negatively or um, how they feel like maybe their voice isn't necessarily what it could be. Um, A lot of folks um, will, um, they'll, they'll exhibit imposter syndrome, right? Which is, I'm, I'm, my voice isn't strong enough. This isn't something that, that I could be an expert on. My, my wheelhouse is here. My space is here. How dare I think about that? But, you know, other folks don't see the same errors or failures in us that we think that they do. Um, or they'll be, you know, Eeyore, um, this will never work. I know what things are like around here. I've been down this road before and stuff just doesn't happen. But then we convert that thinking to a more positive, well, what would it be like if we or customers did something? Um, Then there's the sort of personal self-defense. This isn't going to be a good look for me. Um, My career, my brand isn't going to be strong. And we encourage folks to sort of change that thinking around to making it customer-centric. Will this be good for our customer? You know, Forrester certainly is well known for promoting customer obsession as a great way to make win-win-win situations for customers, companies, and employees. Um, and then we also sometimes just felt that some folks had this, this fear that no one's just going to listen to me. My voice is just too small. And the idea, as Meta said so eloquently, is um, focus on the idea and find folks to collaborate with. If it's a good idea, it'll fly. Maybe it's not a good idea, and that's perfectly okay as well. And then let it let it go. Yeah, absolutely. It is about focusing on the idea. But the the other component here I'd love to bring into the discussion, Jennifer, is this this idea that you're not going to become a change catalyst overnight. You need to work on it, right? So again, what we propose is that change catalyst is a muscle. The more you practice it the better you become. So back to that kind of chat we had about there is small or big change, start with a small change, build that muscle, put it in practice, and then there will be a time where you are more confident, more experienced to bring those bigger changes to bear. So that's what the individual can do to build that muscle, become more of a change catalyst. But what are your thoughts on the responsibility of leadership management to cultivate change catalysts within your organization? What, you know, what should leaders and, and managers be doing here? That's a great question. Um, I think leaders have a tremendous role and responsibility to create the right environment for that change dialogue to take place and allow for those different voices to come forward, allow to learn from those different voices, even if we decide this is not a good idea for right now, right? But 
flourish, allow, allow that um, diversion of opinions to exist, to be heard in order to uh, drive a path forward. And I think leaders play a key role in finding and rewarding those behaviors within their teams. There's a, there's a tone setting and uh, walking the walk responsibility that I think leaders need to pay attention to. Um, it's too easy to think, well, they're high up in our org chart, therefore all the creativity and all the ideas are gonna come from them. Um, organizations generally are flatter than they used to be and certainly with the advent of enterprise social collaboration platforms, um, we can all talk to one another as human beings. Um, it's still probably not the wisest idea for an intern to call out the CEO on something on the social platform, but it doesn't mean they can't be part of the same conversation as discussion. So a lot of it is an incumbent upon leaders to recognize that cultures are different than they were 20 or 30 years ago, that communications are different than they were, and that everybody you know does expect to have a voice regardless of where they sit on the org chart. And if they um, observe and call out things, um, you know, you guys have probably seen the emails. Our own CEO, George Colony, will uh, quite regularly um, call out and quote uh, folks from with, around the organization. Here's what our best salespeople are saying to help customers. Here's something that a customer success manager did to help that particular customer get through a tough situation. And he does it in a way, and leaders should be doing it in a way that makes folks feel comfortable that they can do the same thing. So it starts with just having a sense of openness to, to converse about things. It doesn't mean to be politically incorrect is now acceptable, but it does mean that breaking through some of those layers and hierarchies allows folks to converse and to think about and to hear other ideas. And again, to work with one another as change catalysts. I might be a real fan of something that you, Jennifer, have put out there and say to somebody else in another function, hey, here's something that's really good, but you may pay it forward by doing the same thing for my idea. In that sense, there's a bit of an egalitarianism at play here because it's the idea, it's not the person or the title. Great. Thank you both for joining me today. Great conversation and look forward to seeing you on stage at Summit. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Now go make change. If you like what you heard today, check out Forrester's B2B Summit EMEA event, where Meta and Peter will dive deeper into this topic. Summit EMEA takes place live in London and as a digital experience October 11th and 12th. Learn more at for.com slash Summit EMEA 22. That's forr.com slash Summit EMEA 22. Thanks for listening.